0: Welcome to Incognito, the podcast, where I converse with interesting guests from a variety of fields and disciplines about how they foster inclusive workplaces and communities. In today's conversation, I had the pleasure of interviewing a guy I've admired from afar, Shazay P. Roberts. Chazé is a licensed marriage and family therapist who works a great deal with groups, of which I have personally witnessed him in action. I saw him take a group of teenagers who'd never met before and create a safe space of welcoming and inclusion in a matter of minutes. During our conversation, we cover a lot of ground about his own personal journey and how it led him to the kind of practice he thrives in today. Welcome to Incognito, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fosberg. And with me today is Shazay P. Roberts, LMFT. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist who, over the last 16 years, studied, trained, and worked at the Family Institute, the Betty D. Harris Family and Child Clinic at Northwestern University. He currently still works as a clinical lecturer and supervisor at the Family Institute for the MSMFT program at Northwestern University. Recently, he embarked on a new venture starting his own private practice, CPR Counseling. Mr. Roberts works with families, couples, individuals, adolescents, as well as conducting group therapy. He has a particular passion for and commitment to working with adolescence issues and men's issues, including emerging adult males dealing with the stresses of life transitions. We should talk has worked clinically with diverse individuals and various combinations of of cross-cultural couples and international families from the U.S., Poland, Mexico, Colombia, Israel, Ecuador, Jamaica, Venezuela, Nigeria, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Greece, India, Spain, Philippines, Zimbabwe, France, Suriname, and Pakistan, just to name a few. He has a particular interest in working with people of the African-American community of which he is from. Shazé, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So nice to have you and to speak with you. I've been really looking forward to this. You have uh, obviously a very impressive bio, but as I ask <laughs> all of my guests, and we had talked about this prior to beginning our podcast today, a little bit about identity. I, I find in my own work when I'm off traveling and I'm presenting and doing my work and they introduce me with the bio, I often want to say, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. Yeah, I did those things, but that's not me. And then then I'm left with, "Okay, well, then how do I describe myself? And so I'm going to put that task to you now is, you know, how do you see yourself? What are the identities that are core to how you see yourself in the world? That's
1: a great question. And as I'm listening to you if I'm, as I'm hearing my bio being read back out loud I'm like huh okay that's interesting wow I did all that okay but yeah there, there is there is it feels like there's more to who I am but as I was kind of listening to it, it you know there's a word that I often use to describe myself part of my identity which may sound unusual but it's um, as an adventurer you know and so there, there is a lot of what I that really kind of brings a certain amount of Charge to me that excites me is venturing into the unknown and, and, and being able to create something, I guess, in essence, from nothing, you know, from a clean slate and stepping into, you know, there's there's a level of, of nervousness that comes with that as well, but they're on that right on the other side of the nervousness is a level of excitement and I just really like that that new adventure energy, and it's it's always been a big part of, of who I am, and I, and I never really thought much about it as a kid, but even as a kid, I liked doing new things, and as a kid growing up in a family with a father who had a career that took us around different areas of the country, I learned how to embrace the newness of, of the spaces. So adventure is a big part of who I am, and then nothing in that bio really speaks to to me personally as far as like being a husband being a son being a brother you know those things are very i have a very close-knit family and those things are very important to who i am
0: yes yes and your bio does speak to being african-american yes so um that's a big part of it that was in there. Right? Yes, that's in the bio. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> yeah. part. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love that idea of um, being an adventurer. We share that, and we we have that in common. And uh, and I I just think it's brilliant. Venturing into the unknown and creating something from nothing is just a wonderful, a wonderful place to be. In my work, I often refer to it as you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's funny because I was just had my first class I teach a pre-practicum course for students training to be therapists ma- uh, marriage and family therapists yes. and we were just talking about this notion of stepping into discomfort and navigating discomfort
0: mm. not
1: not necessarily getting comfortable with discomfort because I have I have this thing that well if you're comfortable then you're not actually uncomfortable and to me the growth kind of happens through through the discomfort Yes, uh, but we can embrace it. We can step into it and then we can name that. Yeah, this is this is actually uncomfortable uh, versus avoid it. So I, I really like that notion of working with discomfort.
0: Yeah, well, that's wonderful. I mean, that actually leads me to the next question, which is about a, a space of discomfort that you may have found yourself in. So, you know, have you ever walked into a room and found that your identity and that encompasses quite a different, lot of spheres of adventure, a therapist, uh, uh, a husband, son, brother, Black, all of these different things. Have you ever felt that your identity might be or was an obstacle?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of the identities that I hold growing up as a Black male in America, and also, Having um, a level of privilege that's allowed me to, you know, go to university and master's degree and, you know, to kind of step into realms where not a lot of people have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, To do that, a lot of times i found myself being one of the only, either, especially in in the marriage and family therapy field, one of the only black men. And that, I never know, you know, I never know how I'm going to be received. Um, Mm -hmm. There's always a question. There's always... I think I go into spaces like that, not assuming the worst, but I guess prepared for what may come. That that's kind of like, you know, there's that that back to that adventurous, like stepping into the unknown. Like there's a level of like, okay, let's 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 see what this is gonna bring today. But then there's also like a level of nervousness of okay, what how am I gonna have to show up today? Am I gonna have to put on, you know, my uh, my battle gear, or can I just be who i am be accepted for who i am without without question so a lot of that is happening in my mind it may not necessarily even be happening in the space <laughs> yeah but at times when it is both either happening in the space and in my mind or or neither
0: it reminds me i there's i don't know who wrote this book now but it's a book called whistling vivaldi i don't know if you're familiar with that book yeah i've heard that
1: before but um
0: it's about identity and I don't remember the specific uh, term that the author uses, but the title, it comes from, I believe a story that he heard from a a colleague who was walking down the street near the UFC in the south side of Chicago.
1: Mm -hmm. He was a
0: student there and he was walking down the street and as he approached a white woman, she crossed, you know, went across the street to avoid. And what he eventually did was he began whistling Vivaldi, classic mm. music and mm. um he found that that sort of neutered the response of people mm. and stayed on his side of the street i thought it was a really interesting well, story yeah that is
1: interesting. yeah I, i've had that i've had that happen before i didn't know about the whistling vivaldi i probably would have tried <laughs> <laughs> definitely been in that scenario though
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well you can add that to your arsenal
1: <laughs> yeah right yeah
0: I'd exactly brush up on Vibaldi, though <laughs> So before I ask you this question, I want to ask you about sort of uh, uh, tangential to the the previous question. Being an adventurer and um, having spent time in a lot of different places across the world, have you found differences in the way that you're received or perceived?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It It was interesting. So in some of the countries that I traveled to, I guess the biggest thing that stood out to me in terms of how I was received—it was two parts. It was part, partly again, was this conditioning in my mind. You know, I, I'm I'm conditioned in in the West and the United States as a Black male, and to be mindful of how people perceive me in a negative way. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's like my that's my narrative. Mm. And I'm beginning to receive in a negative way before positive until, until otherwise proved, you know, proved different. Kind of the default position. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I found um, when I was traveling, it was the complete opposite in terms of how I was being received. I was received, I would just say generally with open arms, with curiosity, you know, there are many, many, you know, the U.S. is, everyone knows about the U.S., or at least they think they do, and they have a <laughs> perception of what it is, and they didn't see many black people, in particular black men, traveling the way that I was traveling, and, and who you know I was traveling with two two partners of mine, two buddies of mine, and it wasn't something that was common, you know. Um, and so there was a level of curiosity, which I initially took as, uh oh, here we go, you know, like we're getting yeah. stared at, it. you know, they, they don't want us here, and it was just quite the contrary. It was always met with grace and and smiles and in many, many, many situations, invitations to come, stay with folks, to you know be shown around like as a visitor. Um, it was a very unique experience. I recognized there was layers of baggage that I needed to start to shed around my own narratives and, and ideas about you know just my coming up in, in America. Right. So, yeah, the, the reception and, and stepping into those new environments in some of these countries was was amazing. I mean, like I literally in some places just felt like a king, like I, I felt so overly welcome. Like I, you know, I wouldn't even do this. You know, it's just it was eye opening and really began to shift and start to to chip away at some of them. I guess the callousness and, and hardness that that I didn't even realize I had, you know, yeah. I was so, so suspicious of unconditional n- friendly intention to just take care of a visitor yeah i uh, felt like there was some ulterior motive in my mind it's like okay what do they want they're get <laughs> some money out of me or they're going to try to con me out of this or and there is that no don't get me wrong if there is that but <laughs> generally speaking it
0: was um that was very well received yeah well i guess it's you're suspicious. You're also like, well, do I drop this? Do I how do I as you mentioned, you're like, how do I drop these layers? How do I the conditioning that you have, the default space that you've been in for so long? And and is this really sincere?
1: Yeah, it was it was over time. I mean, I I was gone for almost four years, and you know, it was it was it was just a lot of reconditioning that I had to go through. I, I would even say more so than reconditioning, I think it was a lot of healing that I had to go through. Huh. To kind of be really secure in, in who I am as a person, and then to be able to return back to the United States and maintain that, but still recognizing the environment is different, but who I am is is, is who I am, versus letting the environment sway me in such a negative way.
0: Four years being gone, and, and can I ask where you were, or were you traveling generally for during that time, or?
1: yeah i was traveling around it was kind of a route that we so me and and two friends of mine had decided we wanted to none of us had ever been to africa Mm -hmm. um and the the intention of the journey was to kind of like go back to the motherland go back home you know so to speak kind of where it started um but we took a route to get there so we went first traveling through the states which was also eye-opening yeah traveling from from Evanston, Illinois, west out to LA. Did that for about a month, kind of hiking, backpacking, camping, just kind of getting out of the urban areas and, and out into the r- rural parts of America. Yeah. Uh, which was new, um, yes. in a, especially out in that direction. I had been in the southern rural America, but not like out west. Mm hmm. And um from there, uh, left my car in LA with my brother and <laughs> flew to the South Pacific. Started with Fiji, wow. then New Zealand, Australia, and then into Southeast Asia. It was um, Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Laos, India, and then West Africa.
0: Wow. That's an amazing journey. And I'm just, I, I don't even know if you can answered this question, but how has it informed not only you, your identity, but also your work?
1: uh, How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) It brought me to, uh, in essence, like a rediscovery of myself in in ways. Because like I said, growing up in America shaped me in one particular way, and I think in some ways limited me. I think in particular, being a black male limited me because I had my guard up quite a bit, you know, navigating in certain areas, especially this idea of, you know, I had some of the privileges from my parents to be able to venture into, like, universities where it's, you know, primarily white, and therefore I just never knew at any time, other than my friends. I had plenty of white friends, and it wasn't, like, about, like, not mixing and mingling, but... Mm -hmm. It was in those unknown territories that I just, I always had to be just a tad bit guarded. And it had been so, I was so accustomed to that. I didn't even realize it was a thing until I left the context and I was, and I was overseas. So there's a part of me that I haven't had access to in a while. And so it lightened me. It kind of lightened my load a bit in a way. Mm, yeah. And that, and that also, I use that in my work a lot, like, when I went into my own practice, I was trying to figure out who, who am I in this work? Like, what is this for me? How, how am I informed? And so CPR is my, are my initials, um, Chazay P. Roberts. <laughs> and then also, you you know, CPR is kind of connected to like cardiopulmonary resuscitation, you know, like getting <laughs> brought back to life, but that felt wow. a little hard. Yeah. Um, so for me, CPR is about conscious power reclamation. And in in all my travels, that I felt like I reclaimed a, a lot of my power, a lot of things that I had either given away or lost in some parts growing up in the states. Mm-hmm. And so in in my work, in essence, I feel like when people come to me, they've they're trying to reclaim some part of themselves. and, and the way I the way I name it is like the power that kind of drives them to be who they are. They, they, okay. they give it away, they, it's taken. It's lost. And so for me, the way it informs my work is about trying to reclaim that part of ourselves.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. I, I, I love the multiple layers of the CPR. Yeah, it worked out nicely. <laughs> it worked yeah. out very nicely, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I want to ask, so with all of this in mind, this reclamation of your own sense of self, the travels that helped as you say lighten your load or just lighten give you a lightness and in the work that you do how do you go about creating uh, an environment that is conducive to collaboration
1: a big part of my practice is group group work i do group mm-hmm, therapy mm-hmm. yeah um, there's something just about that bringing in a bunch of people that don't know each other and trying to create a space that feels safe and collaborative and Healing, like a, a space for healing, and it's not easy. But really, my formula is around well, being open, finding that part of yourself that can be open to a new experience, being honest. Mm-hmm. So even if you're even being honest that you don't feel open, right? But in, in either way, just that you can bring a level of honesty to the space.
0: Yes, yes,
1: and and vulnerability. Uh, and, and it's always kind of a work towards repairing healing, getting access to those parts of ourselves and but really it comes from creating a space that feels safe enough to do that because being open, honest and vulnerable isn't isn't necessarily a safe thing to do if, if you're not around <laughs> the right, people, you can, you can be exploited and but to really get to a, a point of trying to build community, trying to build collaboration, I think at the core, it starts with that. It's not easy to do, but that that's kind of, that's the building blocks for me. And that, that's how I try to work with my, in my groups, my group therapy work.
0: Yeah, yeah. So could you uh, share, perhaps talk about a challenging situation that you found yourself in that required extra efforts or whatever on your part to unify people, to bring people together and and talk about how you overcame that challenge.
1: I'll use an example from that part of my work because I'm doing yeah. that often. Yeah. Uh, and in, in most cases, it it's it's me modeling the behavior ah. that that I would that I'm asking of others to, to engage in. Um mm-hmm. I feel like if I if I can't do it, if I can't show it, then I have no right to ask anyone else to to engage in that way. I, I don't know that I'm I'm not like I'm sitting in other people's therapy rooms, but I, I think my my personality, you know, there's a fine line between how much you self-disclose about yourself when you're doing that kind of work, um, mm-hmm. how much of it is too much and how much of it kind of contributes to creating this environment of feeling collaborative and like I like to make myself like I'm a part of, not just make myself, I I am a part, I have a different role maybe in the group as the facilitator or the therapist, but I'm actually part, I'm a member of this group, you know? And so I'm not gonna be necessarily talking about some of the things that other members will be talking about, but I can certainly share some things that are open, honest, and vulnerable. And that has tended to work. I I think that begins to start to drop the guards down. It's like, oh, okay, well, he did it, nothing happened. Kind of like a ripple effect. Give someone else permission to do so. And then that kind of builds and then slowly starts starts to grow. Um that's not really a specific example, but that's just kind of a way that I go about. Sure. Engaging in, in things. It's especially if something gets it's hard to describe because it's just a very difficult thing for some people if they've never engaged in that kind of work before. You know, a lot of times people will come, especially since the pandemic, I mean, a lot of and I work with men's groups. I do men's groups. So so there's been just feels like a need for community for in particular with men to find a space to be able to connect, to be able to connect in a ways that are more vulnerable, um, getting access to different types of emotions that are, that are softer emotions. You know, we're, we're conditioned again as males to, to only access. We've got a couple of gears like anger, <laughs> frustration. <laughs> Uh, we're shutting shutting down those are like the primaries um but trying to get access to some of these other parts of ourselves can be scary and yeah. um it, it's easy to shut down and so again i try to use myself as an example that hey if as the leader of this group i, I i'm i'm in here with you all and I'll, i'm willing to to go there with you all that's wonderful
0: i i am <laughs> full disclosure here i I, I witness group sessions that you have done utilizing something that's very, very unique. Yeah. So for listeners, I have I didn't participate. I was actually a a, a watcher of, of, of a session that you conducted with teenagers mm. uh, that consisted of a uh, uh, drumming, a uh, drumming circle yeah. it could be called or a drumming group or whatever. And um, maybe this would be a good place to sort of interject some of that because I found it to be... So uplifting. And I I witnessed, I saw students literally come out of their shells. Yeah. I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that method, I guess, if we'll call it that.
1: <laughs> so in part of my travels, we yeah, the travels changed me quite a bit. It brought a, <laughs> a lot a lot into my life, I should say. Yeah. Uh when I was in West Africa, you know, part of I guess in essence, reclaiming. My power as a black male and as an African American and being part of the whole move movement into diaspora through the slave trade and all that, was trying to reclaim in, in one little part, like the rhythm of the motherland and connecting back to that beat and rhythm. and you know, back in the day, you know there was no such thing as like playing to perform. you know, you 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 played to engage. Um, you played to communicate, you played to celebrate. And as you would have witnessed in that kind of activity that I did with with the kids, it wasn't just, and being up on the stage, it wasn't just them watching, right, you know, I had even the people that were sitting in the audience were participating because there's this synergy and this energy that happens between, you know, so the ones that may have the instruments they're feeding off of those that may not have the instruments, may be, you know, quote unquote in the audience. Um, and then the audience is giving energy. So it's like this exchange of of energy. And, mm. you know, it's such a um, rhythm, you know, we that that it transcends race and culture for me, because we all it's we all started in the womb of our mothers, listening to that primordial beat, heartbeat you know, during that gestation period of, you know, being in the womb and we all have it within us. It's just a matter of pulling it out, you know? And so as you witnessed, it's very easy to pull out once you kind of like turn it on. Yeah. And uh, this opens up a, a space of collaboration and fun and energy and just freedom. You know, you probably saw the level of just kind of freeness that happened. And it wasn't really about sounding good, or being perfect. It was just about engaging in that beat and and doing it together. Because as you would have also witnessed, it's about layering the pieces together. It's not just about one drum. It's like, okay, how does this all sound together? You, okay, you play this, you play this, you play this, you all clap, you do this rhythm, you just this beat, and let's bring it all together. And you saw how powerful it is when everybody contributes their part to the whole, and all of a sudden, it's just it's like this beautiful, powerful kind of moment yeah. <laughs> of sharing, connecting through 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 rhythm, through drumming.
0: Yeah, you obviously experienced this firsthand when you learned uh, when you learned to become a drummer, and then did you were you thinking at that time that that would be something that you would bring into your practice? No, not didn't.
1: Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I knew because you know I bring. I knew I was bringing it into my life. Yes. Thought that I would be necessarily bringing it into other people's lives, but as you know, I began to grow and develop as a person and build my own identity. It's natural for me to share that, you know. And so I have a drum in my therapy room. You know. Yeah. Wow. I heard my mom earlier. Like, can you move this drum out of the way so that I can get back? <laughs> so. It's just kind of there, and I'll pull it out, or I'll have kids to play it. You know, it's just. Yeah. I've never, I've never had anyone be like, "Oh, get that thing away from me." You know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just such a natural curiosity, I think, because and it looks cool. It looks different. Yeah. Um, you know the West African djembe. So yeah, I, no, I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't on my mind that I would use it in this way, but I just do. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, because I enjoy it and and I think it brings joy to others. You know, so, absolutely. So what a delightful discovery! Yeah, it was it was quite a blessing. Yeah.
0: If you could recommend one thing to our listeners, and I this this is an impossible question, so I'm going to start there first. If you could <laughs> recommend one thing to listeners that would could act as a catalyst for more inclusive society or workplace. What do you think that would be, be a lesson, a tool, a step, a, a rule, something that I don't know, might be universal, of some, some kind? More drumming. More
1: drumming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that I'm joking, but I'm serious. Yeah, um, yeah. I think what so like you witnessed in that activity I did with the kids, the drumming, community drumming, so maybe to be specific, that type of community drumming gets access at that other thing I was talking about earlier in terms of what it takes to, to build a safe kind of collaborative community environment, which is the openness, honesty, and vulnerability.
0: Mm, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: All those things are happening in, when, when we're doing that, like something like that drumming thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like if if that, I don't have any empirical data to support this, but I feel like <laughs> a universal those are universal nuggets to kind of help us to engage and get closer, even if we disagree. That that's the thing. We don't have to agree or see eye to eye. Or yeah, yeah. But if bring an openness, honesty, and vulnerability to your interaction, then then there can be a release of respect. You know. Yeah. Um, so and so I said drumming jokingly, but something like drumming it gets access to that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, as you saw, I'm glad you brought that. I didn't think necessarily think to, to mention that that moment <laughs> with, with the kids. but as you saw, most of them did not have any drumming experience, but almost all of them wanted to participate. Yes so there yes. was no there was no embarrassment or fear or you know fear of judgment or anything like that. They just wanted to engage and, and learn and, and be together yeah create something together.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really it's it's really powerful, and I I guess it speaks to the universality of music in general. But I also like the way that you um, talked about the heartbeat is something that we all experience and hear, and so in a way, it's very primordial. Like the it's the 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 beat of the heart, the beat of the drum. It's it's great. Okay, here's another impossible question. (laughs) We all perceive definitions to particular words. Slightly differently, we take that as granted, you know, that's that that sure. happens, and of course, we also come to the table, um, with our own set of biases. Some of them are we're unconscious to, and many of them we're unconscious to, but we, we all have our own set of biases. But if I were to ask you what it means to be authentic, how would you describe that, and what does that look like for you?
1: I'm about to just Drill this other one into the ground, but it's, it's kind of the same for me around the, the openness, honesty and, and vulnerability. Yeah, um, like that's if we're being our 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 authentic selves, being our authentic <laughs> selves. Yes, is not necessarily an easy thing to do because of the biases, our projections, our assumptions of what people are thinking or, you know, trying to manipulate not necessarily in a bad way, but to manipulate how people perceive us—parts of us we want to show, the parts of us we don't want to show, and such. But the if we can tap into that, those three things—I feel—openness, honesty, and, vul- and vulnerability—we can get access to our authentic selves. Hmm.
0: I um, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a good place to to wrap up Thank, that this has just been wonderful uh, having this conversation with you. I want to sort of wrap up with one last sort of, I don't know, it could be fun or whatever question. I'm wondering if you could recommend to listeners a book, a movie, a play, a television show, something that is inspiring you recently and why? Mm. Well, um, this isn't
1: necessarily recent discovery, but it continues to inspire me. Uh-huh. And it's because I'm 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 more of a, a listener of like music. I don't do a lot of movies and things like that. Yeah. I, I read so much for work, I just like reading becomes a challenge. So I like to listen to music. Sure. Um if if you haven't, I mean, I like so many genres of music, so I don't I don't want this to limit me in terms of what I listen to, but but Bob Marley, if you haven't listened, I, I started listening to some of his earlier work recently, just kind of just, you know, I, I've been listening to Bob Molly for a while, but you know, you kind of have phases of when you're really listening and then you kind of go back to like, oh, wow, is that he's saying some pretty powerful things. And the funny thing is, you know, he passed away, I think, in the early 80s. And uh, his work is still very relevant. Mm. And there's one line in one of his more popular songs, redemption songs, and I encourage everyone to, to listen to all of his work. Because um, in, you know, coming out of the pandemic and Black Lives Matter and just so so many things that we've been going through as a society recently is all embedded in his work from like the 70s and 80s. Wow. But the one line that's still an inspiration and become a new inspiration, especially in the, in the line of work that I do as a, as a psychotherapist, is this notion of emancipating ourselves from mental slavery. Mm none but ourselves can free our minds and that that line sums up a lot because so so much of so much of the challenges I feel that we have as a society and as a people are, are locked up in the narratives that we create and until we can free ourselves from those we're, we're going to stay stuck I feel mm. so listen to some Bob Marley <laughs> and uh you know get out into the sun and just kind of take in an old new message or a new old message, look at it.
0: Yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you for reminding us of that. And again, thank you so much for the conversation today.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. It It's very nice. Thank you.
0: Thanks again for listening to Incognito, the podcast, as we begin our fifth season. If you are unfamiliar with the podcast, I record 10 episodes, which we call a season, take a break for about eight weeks, and then return with a new season of 10 conversations. Every once in a while, I tackle a solo episode, but mostly the conversations are with a variety of folks from a wide spectrum of business and the arts. This season, I am beyond excited for you to listen in. There will be a lot of great conversations and information for you to digest. If you're a new listener, welcome. I hope you found something here you can use in your work, life, or community. And if you are returning, I am so happy to have your continued support. I personally listen to a good number of podcasts and realize how difficult it can be to sustain listenership over time, so For those of you who can call yourselves longtime listeners, I really appreciate that you still find value and interest in what is being said here. As always, we welcome your suggestions and encourage you to rate and comment in your podcast app. Ratings and comments help people find us and allows us to spread the word about this work. Also, you can find us on Instagram at incognitotheplay, all one word, incognitotheplay. Find us there, follow us, and hit us up with a question or comment. And since we have a limited social media presence, I am urging you to take an additional step to tell someone you know about this work. I'll be back again next week with yet another conversation that delves deeply into identity, authenticity, and ways in which we can create inclusive communities and workspaces.